Blog Talk Radio. In the year of our Lord, 1314, patriots of Scotland, starving and outnumbered, charged the fields of Bannockburn. They fought like warrior poets. They fought like Scotsmen. And won their freedom. All right, everybody, Jordan Gibson here. We're going to bring on Dr. Peter Ventura to continue his teaching of the book of Daniel. He'll be preaching and teaching for about uh, 60 minutes, and then after that, the show will be turned back over to me, and we'll continue on with restoring uh, the Republic. All right, Dr. Peter Ventura, the floor is yours. All right, thank you, uh, Brother Joseph Gibson, for allowing me to uh, use this platform this evening, and I uh, want to thank the listeners for tuning in. And... Uh, we hope that you'll be edified tonight. We're in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. I apologize for Tuesday night. Uh, it's technical difficulty. Sometimes weather uh, has a, uh, 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 you know, uh, weather can cause a problem in uh, us uh, getting on the air. And, uh, sometimes telephones don't work and uh, internets, but we're here tonight. We just thank you for tuning in. Uh, let's get a good grasp on where we left off. We were talking about in Daniel chapter 7, how Daniel had a vision of these four beasts. And uh, these four beasts were uh, uh, terrible beasts in his eyes. Uh, if you look at uh, Daniel chapter 7, uh, verse 2, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and we said night. We're talking towards the end, tribulation, darkness. Uh, and behold, the four winds of the heaven drove upon the great sea. And then we talked about those four beasts in verse number three. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I beheld till the wings themselves were plucked off. And the second beast he saw was uh, uh, like a bear. And then there was, uh, the third was a leopard. But it's the fourth one we're really get down to, and that's the Antichrist and the Antichrist kingdom. And we left off over in verse number 13 where Daniel's having his third vision, and this is the the vision of the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving his kingdom, and which he's going to receive, the millennium kingdom. And he will reign on this earth for a thousand years. The Bible says that he will rule with a rod of iron. And so let's have a quick prayer, and we'll get this going and see where the Lord leads us. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, that we're allowed to be here tonight and to study the gospel. And, and Lord, that you would touch our hearts, open our spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, Lord, and let us receive from you. Set me aside, God. Let nothing come from me that would hinder the message that you would have this thy people receive. Keep every foul and unclean spirit away, God. And we'll just give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We get down to verse number 13. And Daniel said, I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man. Notice capital S, S-O-N, Son of Man, came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him. Now, the vision of the Son of Man receiving his kingdom. Remember, that's what this third vision is. He says, one like the Son of Man. 
and you can find that cross-reference to that. You know, we compare Scripture with Scripture. We just don't take a Scripture and, and base a whole doctrine on one single Scripture because that would be a pretext, and a context would, you know, a text without a context is a pretext. And so we, we don't want to do that. We want to compare Scripture with Scripture, and we're going to find in Revelation verse chapter 1, verse 13, talking about Christ, that in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, you see, describing Christ. And you get to chapter 14 of Revelation. And uh, you look at verse number 14. And we want to know who Daniel's trying to identify when he says Son of Man. So we have to compare Scripture with Scripture. And here you have, uh, and keeping it in its context, 1414 of Revelation clearly says, and I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, and having on his head a golden crown, and his hand a sharp sickle. Okay, so, and it said, came in verse 17 of Daniel, and I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds, the clouds of heaven. And in this context, we're talking about this fourth kingdom, these other kings have ruled, and these kingdoms, and now it's the second advent of Jesus Christ. And be clear, it is not the tribulation, it is not the rapture, okay? The rapture happens at the end of this church age, and the saints are the Christians, the body of Christ, the believing church, is removed from the earth. And then the period called that tribulation comes about. And so what he's the vision that he's had now, we talked about those four kings. We're going to get back, talk about them a little more, and those kingdoms and those beasts and how, you know, the bear represented Russia, and we talked about how, how that uh, uh, the lion with the eagle's wings represented England, and then we get down to the English-speaking people where the wings are removed, and then we get to north, south, east, and west Africa, the leopard. Uh, okay, and then we got down the next kingdom, which was the Antichrist. And so when we got down to verse number nine, we're, we're getting into this second vision, and it went to verse 12, and then 13, where we are tonight, is the third vision. And we're talking about the second advent of Jesus Christ. This is when Christ returns after the tribulation. Uh, notice in Revelation chapter 1, verse number 7. The scripture says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. Now, now we know at the, at the rapture that nobody sees him. The saints are called off the earth at the last trump. Bam, and we're gone. You know, I just saw, you know, and I don't endorse David Jeremiah, but I saw David Jeremiah has a book out, and he has a, a video, and it's pretty it's pretty uh, graphic about the rapture, how there's a time coming, and he's in his book, and he's it has a video for the television commercial for his book, and it shows people disappearing all over the place. Some are still standing there. Some have disappeared. Some are in shock. And and so, but we're not talking about that time. That already happened by the time we get to Daniel chapter seven thirteen, and so you get to Matthew chapter twenty four. Now this is a this is something that has to be discussed here for a moment, because there is a grave grave misconception about what 
what we're talking about in Matthew chapter 24. And having the understanding, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. That was Jesus speaking. And so the word of God is divided. And if you don't know where and how, you are going to get screwed up. There's no other way to put it. You'll get messed up in Matthew. You'll get messed up in Daniel. And you'll get messed up in Revelation. And so I'm trying to bring that all this to you so that when we get to chapter 9, when we get to Daniel's 70th week, and we break that down, because I'm going to break that down to the day to you, and I'm going to connect it to Matthew 24, uh, 24, verse 15, when you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel, Jesus spoke about that, see? And I'm going to tie that in with you to Revelation chapter 11. And if once you understand that, then you get the whole picture, okay? But Daniel, in the meantime, he's having these visions, and this vision has now brought him to the second advent of Jesus Christ. But we get to Matthew 24, and I've heard so many false teachings. I've heard so many heretical teachings because men cannot rightly divide the Word of God. And they say the Word of God is not divided. Yes, it is. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. How's that for one division? Okay? And most people don't even know. Most Christians have never been taught where the New Testament doesn't begin in your Bible where it says Matthew chapter 1, New Testament. That's a division put in there to guide you through the four Gospels to let you know that you're coming to that period of the New Testament, you see, because a testament is like a will and testament. If I have a will, and my last will and testament, it doesn't go into effect until I have died. And the New Testament doesn't go into effect until Jesus Christ has died on that cross. There isn't a Christian in town up until then. Oh, there were disciples that loved him and believed him and followed him. And listen, people say, oh, well, we were looking, uh, the Old Testament saints are looking to the cross. And the New Testament saints look back at the cross. Now, now, let me tell you something, how silly that is. If the New Testament saints... We're looking for, if, if those Old Testament saints were looking for the cross, toward the cross, then why did they go to the temple? Why did they go to the tomb and bring aloes and spices to anoint the body that wasn't there? They would have known that because they were looking towards the cross, you see? And so that's a silly statement, and it's somebody who can't rightly divide the word of God. Now, when you get to Matthew 24, where the context is Jewish. And it's second advent, and it has nothing in the world to do with a Christian except to make a spiritual application. Because you and I are not going to see the desolation of abomination spoken by Daniel in Matthew twenty four fifteen, which Jesus speaks about, because that happens in the middle of the tribulation, and the rapture will have already occurred, and the saints will have been out of here for three and a half years, because it doesn't happen until three and a half years. There is a seven-year period called the tribulation. And the first three and a half years, Antichrist shows up as a man of peace. And the second three and a half years, he goes in the temple and says, I'm God, worship me, sets up the abomination of desolation that's spoken of in Daniel. And, and, you know, you tell people that, and they say, oh, no, this applies to us. Look what's going on in the world. No, it doesn't apply to us. First of all, he says, uh, if you if you read it, go in there and you find out, look at verse 20 of Matthew 24. 
but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation. You understand, you and I, we don't obey a Sabbath day. A Sabbath day is for a Jew under the law. We are under grace. The law ended at the cross, and the New Testament began. And so if you're obeying the Sabbath, they must be talking to a Jew. That's why Matthew 24 is Jewish in content, being able to rightly divide the word of God. Now, people say, listen, this Bible's not divided. You don't know what you're talking about. And so I I, want to show you something here so you can get a grasp of this. If you just kindly go over to Galatians chapter 1. You see, because you're going to hear people say, well, dispensation, you're a dispensationalist. Yes, I am. And you're going to find out that they're going to tell you that C.I. Schofield created uh, in his Schofield Study Bible reference notes dispensations. And that's a blatant, flagrant lie. Okay? That's a lie. C.I. Schofield did not create it. There were many brethren before him all the way back, you know, to – to, I think uh, I, the earliest we can trace it to is is some of the church fathers. Now, uh, in Galatians, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice in Galatians, the problem was is that these people in Galatia got mixed up and people were preaching another gospel to them, not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says in verse 6, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. The gospel that Paul preached was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's quite clear, okay? But verse 8 says, or verse 7 says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. See, they were preaching a perverted gospel. But though we, notice what he says in verse 8, but though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that ye than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed, as we said before. So say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. He said if an angel showed up and an angel was preaching another gospel, let that angel be cursed. Isn't that what he said? Well You know, if you uh, go over to the book of Revelation and you look at chapter 14, notice something. Now, the gospel that's being preached by Paul and the gospel Paul's talking about in the book of Galatians is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And he said if somebody preaches another one, even an angel, let him be cursed. When you get to Revelation chapter 14, look at verse number 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people. And here's the gospel he's preaching, verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven, and earth, and the sea, and the fountains of water. Listen, my friends, things that are different are not the same. That angel's preaching a different gospel. So my question to you geniuses who want to argue about dispensations, let me ask you this. Why isn't that angel cursed in the book of Revelation? 
Well, didn't Paul say if an angel came and preached any other gospel? They're not preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're preaching the everlasting gospel in Revelation. It's a different gospel message, you see? And, and that angel's not cursed. And the reason why he's not cursed is because he's in the tribulation, and it's a different dispensation than this church age, the age of grace. And that's why you're screwed up. And that's why you teach your students, and they're screwed up. And that's why they can't understand Daniel, Matthew, or Revelation, because you got them so fouled up, they can't tell the difference whether they're in the end time or not. And that's the problem with preachers and teachers, that between somebody being went and somebody being sent. You know, and and people saying common sense and original languages and all that. You've got the Bible in English. It interprets itself. So let's go back to um, Daniel 7.13. Having said that, okay, you know, it it amazes me. I don't know where, where these people, you know, what happens is this. In these new seminaries, a lot of men think, that it's a vocation like being a plumber to be called a God or like being an electrician. Think I'll be a preacher. I speak good and I say, you know, elegant words and I, and I have good pause on the stage. And so I'm going to become a preacher. And so they go to school. They're not called of God. All right. And they walk around with little smiles, Joe Olstein, you know, with their hand in their pocket and, and, and wooing the people, but not teaching them the doctrines. You know, giving them fuzzy wuzzies and sending them home every week. And they've learned nothing. And they've taken the music. You know, gospel music in itself is supposed to teach doctrine. What a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus said, I call you no longer servants, I call you friends. Amazing grace. By grace he is saved through faith. <laughs> Amen on the wings of a snow white dove. I mean, come on. You know, if you think going to church and throwing your hands up and jumping up and down and saying, praise God, praise God, hallelujah, and getting yourself in an emotional frenzy, you'll never hear the spirit of God because your flesh will be so overpowering your spirit. You know, music is to glorify God, not to entertain you. That's why you go to church, to meet with God, to bring him glory. His children meet with him. When he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, he walked in the garden in the midst of the garden. Why? Because he communed with them. He created them for his fellowship, for his glory. And he wants to meet with his saints on Sunday. Now, having got that off my chest because somebody out there needed that, but what they're doing at the seminaries is they're taking these men in and they're showing them the Sinaiticus, Vaticanus, and Alexandrius, and the mythological Septuagint, and they're telling them that they teach them from those Egyptian manuscripts would had nothing to do with the apostles. The apostles, the manuscripts and the apostles came through Syria, Antioch, and then up into Europe, okay? And so those Western manuscripts had nothing to do with those apostles. And most of them were plumpses. They were writ- overwrites and written over, and they, uh, the writers were Platonists, and they followed Plato, and they were philosophers, and that was a school of philosophy down there. And they they wrote those manuscripts to fit their philosophy. It had nothing to do with the apostles. And then what happened is they take these young men to the seminary now today, and they teach them from those manuscripts. And after they teach from the false doctrine, which, by the way, the Alexandria and, and the Sinaiticus disagree with each other just in the four Gospels places. 
and they want to say they're older and better manuscripts. You know, it's nonsense. Things that are different are not the same. And so they teach those people from them, and then they turn around and say, now we're going to show you what's wrong with the Texas Receptus, the received text of the King James Bible. And that's how they do them. And then you got a bunch of people running around with NIVs, RSV, ASV, ESVs, and all these Bibles that are supposed to improve the reading of the King James Bible and end up with an NIV that's 60,000 words less than a King James Bible. And every one of them has a copyright. And you can't say the same thing if another person has a copyright. You can't copy a book with a copyright. You can only take so many words. There's no copyright in the King James. God wanted you to have the word in English. 713. 713 says, And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. So this is his third vision. And came to the Ancient of Days. And this Ancient of Days is this time is a reference to God the Father. Now look at verse 14. And there was given him dominion and glory, nations and languages should serve him talking about Jesus. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, which shall not be destroyed. And so we're talking about the millennium reign of Christ after the tribulation. Remember, we go Old Testament, the law to the to the cross, and then after the cross, we have this, this church age, that's we're in this age of grace, and when this age of grace ends, then we're going to the tribulation. We won't go, but the tribulation will take place there. And God will go back to dealing with the Jews again and, and Israel, the nation of Israel, and for seven years. And at the end of that seven years is the second advent of Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he will come back and reveal himself. And those his, his remnant will recognize him. Zechariah says they will say, what are those marks, those holes in your hand? And your side, and he will say, "That's where I was wounded in the house of my my friend's house, Israel." And so, uh, as he gets in verse fourteen, this is the millennium reign. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. The dominion and kingdom starts when Jesus Christ receives that kingdom and the dominion, and it goes on into all eternity. And that's why it's an everlasting dominion, an everlasting kingdom. Verse 15, I, Daniel, was grieved to my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. He was grieved, he said, in the midst of my body. You see, there's a distinction of the spirit from the soul, because man is a tripartite. Some people actually believe man's just body and spirit, okay? But the Apostle Paul clears that up. When Rachel was dying and Benjamin was being born, the Bible says, Scripture says that her soul was in departing. The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians made it quite clear. Let's go over to 1 Thessalonians for a moment and see it for yourself. Paul the Apostle says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, he says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So man has a spirit, a soul, and a body. 
and the soul, the, the body is just a bag of flesh, just a bag of flesh. You know, you, you probably used the term when you were unsaved, and you might have called somebody a dirt bag. Well, we were created from the earth. You're, you're pretty much correct there, amen? But, but that inside this body is my soul, and the soul is the exact representation of who I am. And it's the seed of my emotions, you see? And then you have the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, when you get saved, comes and indwells you. And therefore, your spirit can commune with the Spirit of God. That's how he's able to make utterance when you know now what to pray for. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on inside you. It's not some mystical prayer language. He's going to make utterance for you. Come out and say, yeah, 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 and shillelis, and a bow tie, and a bing, bing, you know? Well, that stuff, stay away from that stuff. So in the millennium reign, so the dominion and, and starts and it receives the kingdom and it goes on. And scripture says it will reign forever. Verse 15 said Daniel was very grieved. Okay, verse 16 and 17 says, and I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever. Okay, so these four these four beasts that we read in Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, are four kings. Now, notice that these, these kings can represent a kingdom or a king, a ruler. And you get a dual application here because when you read verse 23 of Daniel 7, it says, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. So you have that dual application, not just kingdoms. And so the beast that he's talking about is the, the revived Roman Empire. It's not just the Roman Empire, but the Antichrist himself. And the beast is the kingdom, and the beast is the man. It's a dual application. Because verse 17 doesn't mean they are kings, power as a king. If you look at uh, uh, Revelation chapter 17, this is why they say Daniel is Revelation concealed, and Revelation is Daniel revealed. But in Revelation chapter 17, verse number 12, and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as king, one hour, with the beast. You see, they have power and authority that the king would have. So uh, let's move on uh, to verse 18. Uh, It says, well, Verse 18 said, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. The saints of the Most High, well, you know, 21 tells us that an eye beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. You see, verse 22, until the ancient of days came. You see, these saints are tribulation saints. And you you can find them in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. 
Look at verse 26 and 27. And he that overcometh and keepeth my... And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Right? And what did Christ say? He's going to rule with a rod of iron, verse 27. But works, they have to keep works. You and I as Christians, we're not saved by our works. This idea that people in the Old Testament were saved the same way people in the New Testament are saved, well, that, that, that's not true. They were saved by works and by keeping the law. You and I are not required to keep the law. We are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, you see? And so these are tribulation saints. Uh, even in uh, Revelation chapter 3, you see, when you're reading Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, okay, Scripture says, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in thy throne, even as I overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Well, I'm in the Lord. I'm already an overcomer. Revelation chapter 20. You know, Revelation 20, verse number four. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast. See, that's tribulation context. Neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's the millennium. So Daniel 7, you know, we have New Testament saints, but New Testament saints are not, you know, they'll be in that group when we get to the end. You'll see that in the millennium reign. But in Daniel 7, we're talking specifically tribulation saints. Look at verse 19. Then I would know the truth of the four beasts, which was diverse. He wants to know about that fourth beast. See, he saw them others. He recognized them as animals. But I'd I'd like to know the truth, he says. I, I would know the truth of the four beasts, the fourth beast which was diverse from all others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces the residue with his feet. He's speaking of a ferocity, a viciousness, of destruction that the fourth beast has power to do. And then it says he has nails of brass. And when you look at verse 7 and 8 in chapter 7, here's the vision. And after this, I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth, and it devoured and break in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts, see, that were before it. And it had ten horns, and I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, In his horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. All right? There you're talking about Antichrist. And so that brass nails, in verse 19, he says he has his nails as brass. They didn't mention that. But Daniel mentions it here uh, in verse 19. He didn't mention that in 70. Look at verse 20. 
And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom there three fell, even of the horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, more stout, more strong, more bold, more large, more strong, more lusty. And you get to verse 21. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, the tribulation saints, and prevailed against them. You know, look at Daniel chapter 8, verse 24. Skip ahead a little bit here. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. You see, we're, we're, we're talking that in that same context. That's what Daniel's talking about here. He wars, Antichrist wars with the saints. And that's what he said here. He, he had this vision. And when you get to Revelation chapter 9, you'll see that that takes place. In Revelation chapter 11, verses 7 and 9. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Those are the two witnesses. And what happens? And their body lays in the street, right? He wars with the saints. Look at chapter 13. Chapter 13, verses 5 to 7. And it was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Now listen, we just read that in Daniel seven twenty one. I beheld. And the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against him. Verse 22. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given him, excuse me, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Until the Ancient of Days came. You see, Antichrist had power until that second advent. And judgment was given to the saints. Matthew chapter 19, through 1928, Scripture says, And Jesus said unto them, Verily be I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Luke chapter 22. Oh, we're we're moving right along now. I, I want you to get the context of that vision. Luke 22. Verse 28. Ye are they which have continued within my temptations. Who's he talking to? The saints. The saints. Uh, actually, if you look at 28 to 30, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father has appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table, 
in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, tribulation, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Hallelujah. But the Antichrist, you know, he wars with the saints. Until when? Until the ancient of days comes. Now, if you look at verse 23, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. See, that's the extent of the power of the Antichrist. He's going to devour the whole earth. Thank God you and I are born in this time of the age of grace where we can confess that we're sinners, put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and know that we're saved and going to heaven. Thank God for that. Because if you had to not take that mark, you can't buy or sell. you got to worship him. They'll execute you. They'll chop your head off. Man, they were beheaded for the witness and the testimony of Christ. Now, here you're going to find the tactics that are used by the Antichrist and, you know, the devil in the tribulation. I'm, I'm going to show you that in verses 24 and 25 of Daniel 7. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. You know that's the devil's job is to wear you out as a Christian, to wear you out. He wants you to, that's why Jesus, the Lord said, that's why the scriptures say, be not weary in well-doing. The devil wants to ride you like a weight on your back. He wants to discourage you. He wants to disrupt your home. He wants to disrupt your family. He wants to take your children. He wants to take your finances. He wants to, he is the destroyer, and he wants to wear you out. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. And, and But, hey, listen, we are victorious in Christ. The battle was won at the cross. Stand in victory. Amen. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. And they shall give into his hand until a time and time and the dividing of time. Okay, time, times, dividing of times. That's three and a half years. All right? So because he's going to wear out the saints. He's going to get them so weary they just want to quit. And he does it now. People say, oh, man, it's too hard. It's too hard. Remember when they were going to fight, Israel was going to fight, and they, they they were worn out. They were tired. You know, they got to a place where, where they wouldn't even listen to God. They, 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 they can't listen to God. They're just worn out. Wear them out. 
in the tribulation, and 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 they just want to take the mark of the beast. Now, Isaiah chapter forty says, "Let me read you something out of the prophet Isaiah, chapter forty, verse twenty-nine to thirty-one." Scripture says, he giveth power to the faint, to them that have no strength. All right? He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Thank God. Amen. But he wants to wear them out. And uh, in verse 25, scripture says, and think to change times and law. You see, it's God who established the times and the laws, the Ten Commandments, the moral law, government, civil law. You know, that that's also which governs belief. But the Antichrist, he's lawless, and he doesn't want to be Restricted by anything God says. The devil's laws are in contradiction to the laws of God. God says, thou shalt do no murder. And yet, we're sacrificing millions of babies. You see? And society and the devil's people say it's okay. It's okay. Well, it's not. Who... It's okay for a man to say he's a woman. You see, you get rid of God, you have no truth. The moral truth and standard is the word of God. And if, if you get it out of the school, out of the courthouse, out of the world, away from your children, then what happens is you make up your own truth. So a man can believe he's, it's my truth. I'm a, I'm a woman. No, you're not. And who are you to change the word of God? And don't come to my table as a waiter with the name Cindy on you and tell me I'm supposed to identify with you. That's your psychosis, not mine. All right? I'm not going to help you be mentally ill. You know, a time and times and a dividing of times three and a half years. You see, the Antichrist won't have an A.D. He'll change anything related to God. Have you noticed in a lot of writings now, it's no longer A.D., Domini, no longer the year of the Lord. Now it's C.E., the common error. See, they're trying to get rid of Christ out of everything. If there's no standard, and if the foundations be destroyed, then there's no truth, and everybody makes up their own. Look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 7. We're talking about that three and a half years. Daniel 12, verse 7 says, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for time, times, and a half. That little S means something after times. See, time, and we know what the time is. It's a seven-year period of tribulation, but the first three and a half, there's peace. The second is the great trib, all right? So it's a time, a year, 
times two more years, that's three and a half. Got that? Pretty easy to figure out. Uh, You see that uh, uh, he's going to change those times. In Revelation 12, verse 7, you have war in heaven, Antichrist. This is the kingdom we're talking about in Daniel. This is the vision that Daniel saw this. You see, and John writes about it as the Lord gives him that revelation. Uh, in, In 12, verse 7, Scripture says the revelation, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. His angels were cast out with them. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God, day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They didn't take that mark, see? Talking 42 months. Now, you have to understand something. When we're talking 42 months, which is a time, times, and time and a half, we're using 360-day lunar calendar, not a solar calendar, which we Americans use, okay? That's not how a Jew kept time, and that's not how the prophecy is kept. It's 1,260 days. That's how long, 42 months is. At 360, it's three and a half years, all right? And a a Jewish 360-day year. So when you get to Revelation chapter 12, verse number six, see, this is important because you need to know this because when we get to to Daniel's 70th week, you're going to have to understand that. But Revelation 12, verse number six, said, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. That's 1260 days. You see how that came about now? A time, times, and a half a time Daniel's talking about. The time is one year. Times is two years, not one. It'd be a time. So you got one year, and then you got times. That's two years. That's three years total. A time and times. One and two is three. I mean, kindergarten can figure that out. One and two is three. And then you have a half. And so in the Jewish calendar, that equals three and a half years equals 1,260 days. It won't equal that if you use the solar calendar. You have to use the lunar calendar, which the Jews use. That's how you figure out what Daniel's talking about in this prophecy. You see, 42 months, second half of the tribulation. Okay. You say, well, you know, you use a lot of time on this. Well, this is very, very important for you to understand. Because we're going to get about that ram and he goat, and and I'm going to show you how Greece conquers media Persia. 
Alexander the Great prophesied in the book of Daniel. You know, he went all the way down to Israel and he met the high priest and dressed in his garb and, and Alexander the Great bowed down to him. I look at chapter 7, verse 26. I want to finish up the chapter. Uh, verse 26 says, but judgment and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. Now, they be the angels, but the judgment shall set, and they shall take away his dominion. And that happens at the second advent. And you find that written by the Apostle Paul even tells you about that in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, 7 to 10 says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. And you know, it kills me to hear these people saying, oh, God's too good to send anybody to hell. Listen, he's a just God. He must judge sin. He tells you in the Bible, he's coming in flame and fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. How dare somebody say this nonsense? They make it up, and they fool the children of God. Oh, God's too good. He's going to forgive. Listen, God sent his son to save a wretched soul. And if you don't want a son, then you have a choice. You can go to heaven, receive Christ Jesus, his, that died for you, to pay for your sins, which you can't pay for because you're eternal. He's an eternal savior. Or you can go to hell because sin cannot stand in the presence of God. Come around with that nonsense. Oh, God's too good to judge anybody. And the Bible clearly says that Isaiah says he'll... He says he's gonna come he's gonna come back and he's not gonna have mercy on him. He said he's gonna trample him under his feet and sprinkle his blood upon his garments. I will have no mercy, he said. I don't know what God they're talking about. Paul says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. All right? Verse twenty six But the judgment shall set and they shall take away his dominion right at the second advent, to consume and to destroy. That's the day of the Lord. The they could even be the saints. You know, Joel chapter 2, when the saints come back with the Lord. And he says, on to the end. The end is associated with the tribulation. The end. 8.17, the end. You see? Look at Daniel 8, 17 clearly tells you, says, so he came near where I stood and where he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. And he said unto me, understand, O man, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. The end, talking about tribulation, verse 27, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. 
the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven is talking about the millennium kingdom. The Lord's reign begins at the millennium and it continues forever into all eternity. Psalm 145.13. I'm almost done here. Psalm 145.13. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. Amen. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 told you that when it was prophesying the birth of Christ. Isaiah 9, 7, 6 says, everybody there? 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. See, the child's born, but the son's given to us. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, Jesus, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It's God said it, and it's going to happen. That's it. All right? And all dominions shall serve and obey him. Daniel 7:27. All regions of the world, made up of all the people of the world, are going to serve Jesus Christ. Whatever's left after that tribulation, who's ever there on earth in the millennium reign, how does that reflect? Well, that reflects in Revelation chapter 19, verses 15 and 16. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Jesus Christ. Every kneel bow of things in heaven and things in earth. Verse 28, and we'll wrap it up. This is the last verse. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cognitions much troubled me, and my continence changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. You know, play the man. You know, sometimes a, a man can be scared, play the man. And Daniel said this thing troubled him, but he didn't show it. But in his heart, he kept it in his heart. Hitherto is the end of the matter. And what he's saying, as far as what He's been speaking in this chapter, and my cognitions, his thoughts, his meditations, much troubled me. You know, like it back in verse 15, my uh, Daniel was grieved in my spirit and in the midst of my body, and the vision of my head troubled me. Imagine he has this vision of the Antichrist and the kingdom, and he sees it being set up, and these beasts, and, and they reveal to them what, what they are. And so when we get to chapter 8 next week, on Tuesday night, Lord willing, uh, this chapter is going to deal with Daniel's vision of the ram and the hiko. And he's going to explain how Greece conquers Media Persia. And then he's going to look beyond that historical fact to give info about the Antichrist. You know, and, and from Daniel chapter 2, verse 4, to Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, he's been writing 
in Aramaic. And then from Daniel 8, 1 to 12, 13, he's writing in Hebrew, in Hebrew. You see, men do make coffee, Hebrews. Well, I, I hope that you, you, you got something out of this this evening. I, I hope that you got a better understanding of what those four beasts were and how they represented the, uh, the kingdoms of the world and they come to the Anarchist. But we're going to get a, a, a better understanding and a better dif- definition because uh, Daniel's going to, you know, two years after that vision that we just read about in Chapter 7, he, he gets another vision. And, you know, it's going to take place around 553 B.C., and that's just before the fall of the Babylonian Empire. And so, uh, remember, Belshazzar is the co-regent with his father, Nabonidus, you know. And, and, you know, people say to me, you know, you you, you get real excited over this stuff. Well, listen, whatever you speak about the Lord, you're going to have excitement. People are either going to listen and get excited or they're going to tell you to shut up and get excited. Amen. Well, that's not supposed to hinder you from your beliefs. You know, you take this information and what the Lord uh, uh, teaches from his Bible and, and what the what the preacher preaches. And, and you go back and you look at those scriptures. That's why the Bereans were more noble than the other people in the book of Acts because they searched the scripture to see whether those things were true. They didn't change the meaning of it. They compared scripture with scripture. Let me pray with you and we'll call it an evening. Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we, we just praise you, God, and we thank you for your mercy and your kindness and for for giving us the wisdom to understand these things, which, Lord, uh, I have been taught through confusion and, and many other false teachings. And help us to grasp the truth, Lord. And, God, we're going to give you the praise and the honor Ask you to watch over this, thy people have come to hear your word tonight. Touch this word to their very hearts. And we'll give you the glory, praise, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Peter, let me get the fire extinguisher real quick. Hang on, hang on. Got, the, got all that smoke going from the, 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 the dial board. <laughs> like peeling out. <laughs> oh, that was a good one tonight there. I think you uh, pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head there tonight. You addressed uh, some key uh, uh, passages and uh, uh, issues there that we uh, discussed there last week that we got into really in-depth about it's too bad many people didn't stick around and listen to that actually and uh listen to uh who was the guy i forgot his name there that tuned in last week there you had him on a was, was friend of yours there that, you had him call that was in. doctor that was dr sam gift he's in yeah he's pretty good well he's uh he's written you know uh, if if people really want to um look at him you can go to daystar publishing he's put out some great material on the king james bible years ago I think you'll remember the book. It was a blue book uh, called by – he was a, a doctorate of theology at the time, and he wrote the answer book. And it's, you know, should we be loyal to the originals? Is an Easter mistranslation? Was King James a homosexual? You know, what's the LXX? And, and it, covered a, it covered a lot of uh, questions and answers, you know. Uh, and so yeah. uh, that, 
late after that, he's come out with two other books now, uh, which are really uh, dynamic. And he picks it up in uh, question number, I think, uh, number 63. And he goes all the way up to, let me see, I have the book in front of me. He goes up to uh, 90 questions. And then he writes a third book where he picks it up from there. And he writes all the way, uh, he answers an, uh, 125 questions on the King James, just in these three. You know, about myths and, and misunderstandings. Yeah, yeah. But he's at Daystar Publishing, not Daystar Television. Daystar Publishing, it's a whole different yeah. thing. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. And, and he's very knowledgeable. He's a great guy. I sandbagged him, brother. I called him on the phone and I said, hey, brother, I said, what are you doing? And he says, no, not too much. And I said, I'm on a radio program with a friend who's allowing me to use, a fellow who's allowing me to use his platform this evening. And some people have some questions about the Septuagint. I said, could you come and clarify that? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that for you, you know. And and so he came on. And I called him after the program. I said, you know, I'm sorry I sandbagged you like that. You know, didn't give him any warning. No, I understand. Is it... uh... You know, it's, I don't think he sandbagged him. I mean, he's an expert in the, in the in the particular subject and and knows what he's knows what he's saying. So it's very, it, it, it's 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 he knew his thing. He knew what he had to talk about. He understood it, and uh, he handled the questions very well. Um, well, here's, you know, here's so. what he said, brother. He said to me, you, he gets a lot of calls like I do. You know, and he said he gets calls and people say. Well, you know, I'm having an argument with somebody. Could you come out and talk to this guy? And, you know, he says, hey, listen, you started the argument. You finish it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right when we were ending the pro, you know, everything, you know, the thing is amazing how things work out on time and time-wise. Right, you know, the whole time it was nice and quiet. You were listening. As soon as you ended, bam, my little boy comes into the room. <laughs> oh, <boy. That> <laughs> He's got a question for me. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> it's like, how could you time that out so perfectly like that? Because he wasn't listening. <laughs> you know, there, oh, were times got any, was, uh, what's that? there were times when I'd be studying and, and uh, you know, you're reading and you want to get down to this end piece. And then all of a sudden, you know, the doors would open and we'd be going out and I'd just finish it. And I said, wow, God's timing's perfect, you know. Yeah. Well, anybody's got any questions or comments or other subjects they want to discuss here about restoring our republic? You're more than happy to. I pretty much it looks like everybody from Connecticut pretty much dropped off uh, the platform. Well, what there. I want to say is this: I want to say, how come you know this this country is so far needs to, needs to wake up? Somebody ought to put it on every news station they watch and every yeah. every newspaper and magazine. They ought to ask this question. All right. How come the greatest nation in the world has the greatest document, the Constitution, and we celebrate 4th of July one day? We have a one-day celebration to celebrate the independence of this country. We have a one-day celebration of the birth of Christ and a one-day celebration, right, of the death of Christ. And yet, they spend 30 days on celebrating the LGBTQ alphabet people Pride Month. Yeah. You mean the well. Pride Month is more important than the 4th of July, than the birth of Christ, 
and the yeah. death of Christ. Yeah, well, that's that's where our country. Well, look, good people are more rather go watch a football game than tune into this program. They'd rather go watch a basketball game. I mean, look at every Sunday. You got the the fields are all slam packed. I mean, people, are, you know, nobody, you know, that's just the way it is. People are just not willing to stand up and fight. People are not willing to stand up and sacrifice. People don't want to hear what's righteous. They don't want to hear what the truth. They don't want to hear a good message. They don't want to talk about real issues. You know, you got people want to, they want to be entertained. They want to have fun. You know, it's, they don't want to be, uh, you know, compelled to, to learn something. You know, and that's why we, that's why we have so many debates and arguments. Because people don't know history because they're st- Stupid, you know. People don't. The things that people talk about and they say, it's like, how could you be so stupid? You know, I mean, didn't you learn this stuff in school, or didn't you know? It's just like I hear some of the comments that are made, and it's just, I mean, it's just way out there, man. It's like, oh my lord. That's why I I like Jesse Waters. That's why I like Jesse Waters. At the end of his program, when he used to go out into the streets and ask people questions, historical questions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just I do it on my podcast show here. I'll call random places and say, do you, you know, I'm thinking about stopping by for dinner. Do you guys accept Federal Reserve notes? Federal Reserve notes? No, sorry, sir, we don't. <laughs> you know what they've got in your pocket. <laughs> don't even know. <laughs> you know, and it's true. And, and, it's, and I have not yet called one place in all the years I've been doing this. And I've done it, you know, I don't do it all the time, but I used to do it, you know, once a week years ago. But I've not once had somebody say, actually know what a Federal Reserve note was. You know, they didn't know. And these are the people that we we're trusting our lives with. These are the people I want to help to self govern. These are the people that I want to be chosen as my representatives. These are the people that are voting. Oh my lord. You know, come on. <laughs> they voted for what's her name? <laughs> she was a bartender. Yeah. Ocasio Cortez, yeah. yeah. And that's why that I think Hey listen, it wouldn't be bad. A bartender's you know, could be a person of the world who's got a lot of experience, met a lot of people and heard a yeah. lot of stories. And, and got you know some knowledge, but but the knowledge is a problem. Oh, she's a complete idiot. She doesn't know what a garbage disposal is. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's uh, you know, Ocasio Cortez. There, I've spoken to her a couple of times on Twitter, and and uh, and I, you know, and I and I think uh, one of the times it was her, but the other times I could tell it's probably her press secretary or something, you know, talking because it's you know it doesn't she, she uses words that she doesn't usually use in you know in the media. So, you know, you can just tell the language or how they speak or how they word things. It's not them, you know. And uh, you know, this is how it is. So, so how do we get activism going? How do you have people become activism proactive? Uh, you know, before you this program here tonight, I was watching all the videos in Dublin there. Um, uh, with uh, the riots that are going on, I mean, uh, you know, where uh, they're they're burning, you know, the people are, out, are enraged because uh, the illegal immigrants that are coming over there stabbed uh, uh, somebody or stabbed and killed somebody, and uh, they're they're having a fit. They said enough, enough is enough, you know, and, and that's what we have here in this in this country. We have, uh, you know, a rampage of of idiocy going around. You know, they ain't had enough yet. See out there in those countries in Dublin, they had enough. They said enough. Yeah, yeah. 
We still have too much in America. Everybody still got too much. We still look. Look, the, the stores were packed today. People were shopping. People still got plenty of money. You know, we like I said, the football stadiums are full every Sunday. So, and the price of football tickets are just insane. I mean, you know, four hundred dollars for nosebleed seats in some games. You know, and yeah, you know, twenty dollars for a hot dog. So people got money to waste. You know, so they, they got money to t- you know throw away. Then that's you know that's fine. You know, we're okay in America. We're doing okay. The end's not here yet. You know, there's, there's, the economy's not going to crash, you know? So, you know, we're okay. They haven't done enough yet. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't, well, I don't think he ever will. I don't think he ever will. It's a different type of people. It's a different type of people, you know? But speaking of money, you know, look, uh, hang on real quick here. But speaking of money, I'm running for public office here in North Carolina. North Carolina House of Representatives and uh, House District 65, and uh, go check out my page. And uh, I challenge everybody to at least donate a dollar. Donate a dollar. You know, if I can get everybody to donate a dollar in my district or around the country, you know, uh, I'll be okay. You know, just one dollar. I mean, you know, don't go get the cheeseburger tomorrow, you know, or, or, or take a dollar, or, you know, save a dollar or something. I'm sure you got four quarters in your pocket. Donate a dollar my campaign and uh but, so I can fight for the for what's right in this country. I forward coffee for you. You don't need that you don't need the yeah. latte go to Starbucks to spend six bucks on a latte. You know? Lattes, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I can't believe the price even at the cheap places. Though. I remember when I was working at a gas station as a kid, the price of coffee. You know, because I had to, you know, put fresh coffee on. You know, all the time. Well, they don't do that anymore now. You probably got to beg them for a fresh cup of coffee, probably. But you know, I I so I have to keep the coffee uh, switched. You know, and, and I remember charging the people it was twenty five cents a quarter. You know, what is it now for a cup of coffee? Because I don't drink coffee really. Barnes uh, local. Uh, store chain up here it's about a dollar ten dollars twenty nine. Oh my See, lord. Dunkin' Donuts, you know, two, three bucks, four three dollars. Wow. <laughs> Unreal. I think New York City you could pay three dollars for a small cup of coffee. Amazing, amazing. That's insane. That's insane. That's crazy. I mean, and people think it's a good price too, like gas prices. They think now at three dollars a gallon, that's a good price. You know, they really I, think that's a good price. I was talking to the guy in the convenience store up here. I said, "What?" Are, I looked at the price of cigarettes on the wall. For thirteen dollars. I said, thirteen bucks. <laughs> I, I they manufacture them three states, four states away. How'd they get so expensive? I know. Right. Port New York City over fourteen, fifteen dollars. Wow. For a pack of cigarettes. It's a dollar a cigarette almost. Yeah. What are they paying in North Carolina? Um, for the generic brands it's uh five fifty or five seventy five I think. And for like a Newport or Marlboro it's like uh six seventy five, six eighty. Yeah. And and it's double that up this way. Yeah, but no back, back ten years ago back ten years ago it was two dollars and twenty five cents a pack. They hit us with that cigarette tax, that's why. When you I know. was a little, yeah, cigarette kills you, especially in Connecticut. When I was a little boy, my mother used to send me down for a pack of Pall Mall with a note for 15 cents. And then they went to 20, and then they went to 25, and then they went to 35, and they went to 45, and then they went up another 10 to 15. You really get them in the machine. Remember the machines? Yeah, yeah. Put the change in the machine. They had the vending machines. <laughs> 
You know, put the quarters in. You don't do that anymore. Somebody will take the whole machine. (laughs) No, you'll be arrested because children aren't allowed to buy it. You know? I know. It's it's against the law. They're so ruthless. They take the... uh, They've been they've been robbing the Salvation Army boxes. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's bad. You know? I don't understand crime crime now. Uh, There's no honor amongst thieves. The crime is like, I mean, you had crime back years ago, yes. And then you had wave cycles of it, good and bad. You know, get tough on crime and this and that and build prisons around every corner and that don't work. You know, and, and then you had, you know, and now you had to defund the police movement and, you know, defund crime, I guess, or whatever. I don't know what they're calling it now. You know, and and really it's in the middle. Well, you know, you have here. to have some sort of rehabilitation. You have to have rehabilitation for these people and opportunity and opportunity at income and jobs and training. You have to have that. Otherwise, well, you can't of, do anything. A lot of prisons do uh, have some programs uh, that men can get, you know, a trade in, but a lot of them don't. And there's not enough of tra- a trade, you know, enough of programming, enough of funding to train everybody. So a lot of guys yeah. are left out, you know. <clears throat> but, yeah. there, you know, there are there was the Pell Grant, and a guy could go to school. All he had to do was get the books, and you could buy used books. Sometimes you could find them in a library. And and uh, you could sell the books back to the school when you were done with them if you didn't mark them all up. Didn't that and, gate uh, money? Remember that gate money? Uh, yeah, they oh, call it gate money. They give you a check when you got out. Yeah. <laughs> they don't give you. They don't even give the prisoners in Connecticut their own money when they leave. They got to mail them. Yeah, yeah, they rob them. You know, they got to mail them. And if you don't, and most guys are too. You know, they're not going to. You know they don't have that much money anyway. When you when you're working a whole month for seven dollars. Yeah. What are they, what's the going rate for? Uh, what are they paying? Because you're in touch with the prisoners up there. What do they pay them for the trustees and the detail jobs that they have? What are they paying them? Twelve fifty. Twelve fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Twelve fifty. What? An hour? No. A month. Every two weeks. Oh, every two weeks. Twelve fifty. Oh, yeah. I think it's- <laughs> Every two weeks or, yeah, something like that. It used to be $7. Yeah, people don't understand that. Yeah, they don't, they don't get that, you know. The way it, it's, look, yeah. I, I, you you go and have somebody in the hobby shop make you a, 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 a jewelry box to send home. And that jewelry box costs you $14. Yeah. But the home don't realize that you worked all those hours that that jewelry box, if you were on the street, five hundred dollars worth, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, they they but they don't have much much of the factories anymore in their institutions. So what's going on with Donald Trump in the news, or, or what's the, what's crime in the state of Connecticut where you're at? What's crime like up there? I mean, what's the what's the what's the big po- political questions in the state of Connecticut? What's going on there? I mean, what's the big debates? Well, they're hard on guns. taxes. They're hard on guns. If if yeah. you want to buy. Now, when I was a kid, you could walk into Sears and fill out a paper and buy the gun over the counter. And then later on, they went to a, a, a you had to wait three to seven days. But now you have to have a permit. You have to go online and apply for a pistol permit or a long gun permit. And if you get the long gun permit, then you have to go to training on how to use a long gun. You have to go to their class. Of course, you got to pay for it. 
And then, so you're paying for the gun, you're paying for the license, you're paying for this training, and then you can have the shotgun. Wow. It's, it's crazy. Just for a shot, what about ammo? I'm not quite sure how they're doing ammo up here, but I, I saw on Scott Road in Waterbury, the largest uh, gun dealer in this area, and people are buying ammo by the case. They're getting yeah. it to get their hands on it. It's wow, amazing. that's insane. I think you got to have a, li- a license or something or a permit to buy ammo in the state of Connecticut. I'm not sure what the uh, the uh, requirements are. Well, that wouldn't surprise me. Wow, down here you can buy it at Walmart, you know, and everything. They're pretty lenient down here. It's, 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 even, it's, they don't care. It, even if you have a permit to carry, conceal, when you're driving in your motor vehicle, your gun has to be locked in your glove box. <laughs> or what? Or they arrest you. What the heck was that? I heard was that your cats in the background? No, that was my alarm system. Or, or you oh, I, I heard cats in the background. Meow! <laughs> no, it's, man, like, oh, man. It's, it's like 30 degrees. It's going down to like 22 here tonight. Yeah, it's 50 degrees here in North Carolina, so... So, but yeah, but that's you have, uh, you have to have a permit to buy ammo in Connecticut. Unbelievable, and you got to register your guns, everything in Connecticut. Wow, that's a well, police you know, state, man. You know, you're talking about history, and all one has to do is study the fall and decline of the Roman Empire. You know, give. Uh, I read that. I read that to the American Dictionary, and when they tell that story, and I read that 30 years ago, and you know, I don't buy that because yeah, we're not overspread. We're not overspread. Yes, we are overspreading of our military. We've got our military everywhere. Okay, have you seen the latest on the military statistics? They can't even meet the recruiting requirements, number one. Number two, they've gotten soft, even the weight requirements and training requirements. You can hold up a card at one time and say, I need a break. They give you a card, a green card and a red card. I don't know. I don't know. Cause yeah. it's, uh, I, don't, I, I, so, I just don't know. And then, and then that wasn't the only thing. It was an overtaxation of the people, amusements yeah, of every kind. Yeah, yeah. Give the people amusements, keep them occupied while you're, you know, robbing the country, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, sin of every kind. And here we are in America. We, we, America's become Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, I they guess. Don't, they're not after you and me. They're not after the adults of this country. They want your children. It's your children they get. It's your children that are indoctrinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you send your kids to a public school, well, look at look at what the public believes. That's what you're getting, public. You know? No, not really, because no, I I, yeah. well, I can't go with that either. Because you know, it's, it's, well, it's, it, what do you mean, I, public school? What do you what? mean? They're not having they're not having all these problems in these schools and school districts. You know, you got to go to the libraries, the kids' library, and you got to look through their libraries. The parents don't do that stuff. They don't know what their kid's looking at. And then they tell the teens to go to Planned Parenthood. Go to the website, Planned Parenthood. You'll, you, uh, you, you'll have a heart attack, what they teach on Planned Parenthood. In California, 7th and 8th graders are learning how to put condoms on bananas. Yeah, 
when I was in high school, they just started introducing the health education class where they were teaching about this, uh, sex and abstinence and stuff like that. It was, I, was, I remember I was a junior, and it was, they just introduced it. It was like a new class, and they were like making sure that you, the parents were okay, that they were going to take it, and, you know, sign a sign of release and everything, I remember. And the teacher was like, okay, this is going to be a very sensitive topic, you know. Now, yeah, they're just putting bananas on condoms now, you know. <laughs> condoms on bananas or whatever, whatever. Condoms, bananas, condoms on their heads. They need to put them on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're doing, brother. And, yeah. and, it's a, and then, and then helping the kids. They're bringing wit, girls clothes. Let them wear girls clothes in the school. Take them off and change before they go home. Yeah. And then they have they're babies. Doing my kid. Then they have babies. You know. Yeah. Let them decide what they want to be, and then they have those kids that are dressed up in animal suits going to school. They can wear animal clothing, you know, dress up as a cat or a dog or a lamb or a wolf. They did that up here in Terryville, and the lady was so upset. They stopped it, but the lady was so upset at the mail. She worked in the mail room up in Terryville. She was so upset, and I walked in one day. I saw the look on her face. I said, what's going on? And she says, my, 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 my daughter, my daughter telling me what's going on in the school up here. I just can't believe it. <laughs> People are walking around in animal clothes and crawling around the floors acting like animals between class and all that. Yeah. Disgusting. So we talked about the Bible. What's the hope? What's the answer? What's the answer? You sit there. We hear the story. Oh, it's all going down. So really, what can we do? What can we do? <laughs> Come, Lord Jesus. That's all we can do. <laughs> you know. So you're telling me don't. So you're telling me don't bother owning a gun. Just just go to work every day and and uh, just go along and I get along. I think everybody should own a gun. I, I tell you, I went to church down there in Pensacola, Florida, at uh, Pine Forest Baptist Church. I walked in there, and and the guy looked at me and he said, "Wow." He said, "That's where we're at." He says, and everybody lifted up their jacket. Everybody in the place was carrying. I says, man, I don't even want to be here. I'll probably get killed by friendly fire. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I don't think they well, They don't do that in the churches around here. Everybody's carrying, but nobody really pays attention to it. You know, we we don't pay attention to it. It's 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 not it's not something that we, you know, ooh, he's got a gun or or I got to make sure I carry it. It's you got it, you got it. Nobody's, you know, a cop pulls you over, he don't even ask you really about it, especially if you're on a country road. You know, you, you got a gun on you. Okay, just can you put it on the dash for me, please? That's all. You know, that's all. You know what I mean? Or, or where is it? You know, and that's how it should be. You know, oh, it's, we, it's, we don't pay attention to it. When I was sixteen, seventeen years old, you know, we drinking beer and and. Uh, you know, the cop would pull us over and say, you know, you're, you're a little wobbly on the road here. What's going on? And I had a few drinks. Okay, give me the keys. I'll be back in an hour. And the cop would come back in an hour and check on you. Say, so you okay to drive? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think. I'll come back in another hour. Well, you know? yeah. They, 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 they gave you a ride home back years ago. Today, yeah. to, today you pee on the side of the road and you're a registered sex offender. <laughs> yeah, because all the cameras got you. Zip, 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 zap, zap, click, 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 you know. Except, Zoom in on this guy. Except in Texas. In Texas, you can just put your back to the street. <laughs> yeah, I know. What's up with that? <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I don't know. So a lot of stuff I, 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 uh, 
I hear and see, I don't even believe anymore. You know, I don't even believe it. I know, you know, when we talk, I don't believe half the stuff you say or anybody says. I don't believe anything. Everything's a lie. It's a lie. Right? In the state of Virginia, if you if you were seen naked in your house through the window, you could be arrested. And now For that's what? changed. Now Virginia wants to kill babies outside the home. Yeah, well... Well, you, well, you don't forget you got a lot of perverts around too now. You know, I mean, flashers and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of sick perverts out there. Well, you know, I mean, now yeah, you know, there always was, but it just seems like there's more now. There's more perversion out there. You know, I think there's more, more uh, exposure to those kinds. You know, more exposure on the news, and more exposure on the internet, more exposure. You know, to all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, plus they're teaching yeah. it in school. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm glad tonight. Well, we uh, that that guy Cave was on here uh, the other night, you know, and I've heard I played you some of the exchange he and I had, and uh, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, and uh, uh, what was your opinion on that? I mean, if you don't mind me asking you, because a lot of people are listening well, right now that were part of that. I, and they... I I understand people have things to say and they get excited, but you know. You, you can't just run over everybody to say what you want to say. You, you know, a conversation is different from an argument. And, and yeah. the program's supposed to be conversational, not argumentive. Yes, we, yeah. can, we, have, we have difference of opinions, but that doesn't mean I disrespect you when I, you say something that I don't like and I walk all over you and start calling you names. That's what, that's what most liberals do. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yes, yeah, true. Democrats true. do that. You talk to a Democrat, and as soon as they run out of brains, you know, whether you, you know, they'll assassin now they're after your character. Oh, you're a bum. You're this. You're that. You know, you, you don't yeah. didn't have the brains to argue the argument. So now you're gonna it opposes what you're gonna say. So I'm wrong, and if I'm wrong, well then you know you get to kill me. You know, come on, yeah. cut it out. I know that's nonsense. You know, well he's not too. I noticed his number's not on the platform tonight. So. You know, which is fine by me. He doesn't have to be a supporter of me anymore because I don't – you see, and that's what I'm talking about, because I don't think his way. I'm an enemy to him now. That's fine. That's fine. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so he's just as guilty. He'd be, a, he'd be the one that would leave me for dead in the field, you know? He'd leave me for dead. He's the guy that wouldn't be there for me, you know? He'd leave me behind you, you or sell me to, out. You talk to uh, any Democrat and, you know, well – the first thing they tell you, oh, well, I don't like Trump. Well, why not? He's a megalomaniac. He's a he's just he's all pride. He's you know, well, you're, you're sad. You, you, we didn't vote him in for his character. We didn't yeah. vote him in for who his friends were. We voted him in for whose enemies are. Yeah, yeah. We didn't so, vote him in because he was politically correct, and he was yep. going to say all smooth things, or that he's a good-looking guy, you know, or that just because his wife is pretty. You know, that's not why we vote these people in. No. And, you know, like I said, too, you know, I I, I I have a local campaign here anyway, so I have to worry about my backyard here, my district, and, you know, I'm going to do the right thing for the people, you know, but uh, I could tell there's confrontation and, and idiocy is a lot of that. I'm going to be running. At least I got gained some experience running into that, you know, on this podcast show, you know, because I'm going to run into a lot of it. Oh, yeah. And then so. Oh, yeah. 
So, well, we got Conservative Radio Nation coming up at nine o'clock. So I guess I'm going to get ready to wrap it up here. I got no callers on the line putting their hands up. I got about uh, low call board tonight. Low call board, maybe about uh, six or seven on there. You know, on the oh, call board. Black Usually Friday. I get about fifteen or twenty. It's Black Friday. They're all off shopping, probably. Yeah, it's home. a holiday weekend, so you know, you know which is fine. Your, you know. You know, they're with their relatives, and they're not going to say, hey, come on, I want you to listen to this radio program, you know. Yeah, well, I much prefer it anyway, to be honest with you, one or two or three callers, and that's it. You get six or seven guys on here, and you can't talk, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's the point? You know, what's the point? Everybody's shouting, and then, you know, again, we put the message out there. We educated the people out there who care. And the people who want to listen, the supporters, that's who you want. Those are the people you want to back you up. Those are the people you want to stand by you. Those are the people you expect to be there listening. And uh, that's what you want. You don't, you know, and you want some new people to come in every now and then. But the other people that were constantly against us and had a difference of opinion, you know, uh, or had their own factual ways of what, how they believe, we don't, those are the people that were never going to change their minds anyway. So really, why bother, you know? Why bother? Well, yeah, and, and you know what? They, most of them have have uh, no inclination to a new thought. They yeah. can't uh, be taught anything, you know, yeah. because they their mind is made up and that's it. They found yep. you know what they believe and that's what they're going to believe. And you, you know, uh, they're not open minded. Use yeah. that term. I wish you'd have Gadinas on here in the conversation here tonight. You see, that's what you should probably get when you're done. You know, get so we could discuss it with Gadinas and maybe Jay or something, so we can have a like-minded republic conversation. That would be good, you know, because then we can have an intellectual and not have these other clowns there buzzing in. You know, that that the ones that want to argue. You know, I think that's a good idea actually for Tuesday or Friday when we'll have to talk to Rich or whatever. And Rich Gadinas, he's very well spoken on here. He talks good. Jay, he's got a, I don't think he has a radio voice, but he's smart. You know, he just doesn't have a radio voice. <laughs> and Lewis, he'll put you to sleep. <laughs> brother, brother, brother Jay Verone. Well, you know, that's funny. Well, Brother Jay Verone is very educated and well-knowledged in the, the uh, theology. He's a, he's a, he knows that book. And, uh, you know, God's opened some great opportunities recently for him uh, in the ministry. And uh, yeah. Pastor Rich Cadenas, you know, he's uh, he's got a... Four week. He was going to come out here, but he's got four weeks of teaching out there. Um, so he's going to be out there. And then uh, you have Lewis. Lewis is a, uh, a gentleman. He's he's an eccentric in many ways, but his uh, if he, he's a great historian, biblical historian, and uh, his family's from you know up in Maine. He's got a great history. He's got some books that they put in the historical society up there that he wrote. And so yeah. it's something these guys can, you know, there's many, many different types of preachers and teachers. And, yeah, and you listen yeah. to, you know, like Spurgeon. Spurgeon, I read Spurgeon. He's so, he was a great preacher. He won thousands of people to Christ. And God used his yeah. messages to do it. But but to me, he's so dry, I could spit cotton reading them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, I mean, plus, you know, our, our fan bases, and you know, usually, you know, they should be out supporting us. You know, they should be out there, I mean, constantly. You know, you, and that's what frustrates me is, you know, look, if I knew a guy, look, I support people. I'm always on the other podcast shows or I'm, you know, or if somebody's doing something, I'm supporting them. I'm dedicated. You know, these other people are not. And I'm going to start, I'm going to start telling my people that, that I know who follow me over to these other shows not to call in no more. 
And you're, you're going to see their calls go way down to zero because I've seen it happen, you know, and, I, and I've done it to a couple other people, you know. So, you know, you don't, you don't have the time to support me, and I'm supporting you. Shame on you, you know. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So, you know, I mean, it's just the way, you know, like I said, what's anybody doing here at 9 o'clock at night on a Friday, on a Black Friday? Come on. You know, traveling? Well, I thought, well, you must have it pretty good then if you're traveling. You know, New World Order's not hitting you yet. So, but anyway. Traveling. All right, well. Traveling. And don't forget, you know, a lot of people are with Friday. It was a holiday. They're with their families. They're away from home. Peter, I did a Christmas show. I remember doing a Christmas show on 2018. Man, my call board was lit. I did a Christmas Eve show at midnight. And let me tell you, my call board was fired up. I mean, I had, you know, so... It it just shows that, you know, the sign of the times. You know, I go back five years ago to these podcast shows. I couldn't I couldn't keep the line empty. I mean, it was just a constant call, 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 call. I mean, people, new, new voices, too, you know. If you go back and listen to those archive shows, it's amazing, you know, at the people I would get, you know. So it's just maybe it's just a sign. Of, maybe it's just blog talk or, you know, it's just not there anymore you know it's not i don't know maybe there's new things out there now there's new i think more people are doing video you know more facebook live youtube stuff like that you know so yeah all right well i guess i'm gonna wrap it up then uh anybody else wants to jump in here press one if you got a comment uh now's your time now's your time the floor is open six five seven three eight three zero six one six if not i'm gonna head on over to uh uh uh, conservative media radio. I think that's why. <laughs> shame on me. I guess you know the name. Here I am talking and criticizing. I don't even know. Uh, uh, conservative media radio. <laughs> conservative nation. <laughs> conservative what? nation. I know it's on Friday night. <laughs> it's with Robert. <laughs> Um, conservative media, ra- conservative media nation, conservative media radio. Na- <laughs> oh man, I'm going to be in trouble now. <laughs> It's uh, Conservative Radio, I think. Conservative Radio Nation, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, you guys will find it on Blog Talk, I'm sure. It's on at 9 o'clock, so it gives you some time to do what you got to do, stretch your legs or whatnot. All right, Peter, I'll, I guess I'll play something here at the end. What do you want me to play? George um, Washington, Ronald Reagan, what do you want? Reagan, about appeasement. You want Ronald Reagan? Let me see if I can find it here. Ronald Reagan. All right, all right, Ronald Reagan. All right, everybody, God bless the Republic. Happy Thanksgiving. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. But every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War, and someday, when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary, because by that time, we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. He believes this because from our side he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price, or better rev than death, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war. 
because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shotters around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay, there is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said, You're watching The Madness of a Lost Society. November 26, 2010, Black Friday revealed yet further evidence of the complete madness of the populace of our lost society. In case you didn't hear, the leaders of China and Russia... China and Russia said that they are renouncing the dollar. The best way to think of it is a ticking time bomb. At some stage, the dollar will fall sharply. Now, you might be saying, Neil, what the heck does this mean to me? As the dollar loses status as the world's reserve currency, as mystery missiles launch just off our shores, as North and South Korea take the world to the brink of war, as the TSA violates all measure of liberty and constitutional rights, and as the U.S. military itself prepares for the coming total economic collapse and breakdown of civil order, this is what Americans care about. Wanton, lustful commercialism. Acting like animals fighting over trinkets made by human beings for slave wages. As you watch this horrific video, do you think any of these people own a single ounce of physical precious metal? Any gold? Any silver? Do you think that even one of them understands what the Federal Reserve is or that the Fed is spending them into oblivion and economic slavery? Do you think even one among them has made any preparations at all for the day when there is no food on grocery store shelves? And do you think the morally bankrupt executives at Target or Walmart even care? This is what we've become. A decadent, mindless culture who by virtue of this complete and willful ignorance are now officially complicit in the crimes being perpetrated against us. Do you think these people who behave like animals, literally trampling each other over $198 laptops and $10 toasters, will even pause for a moment to consider their actions before they riot and burn entire cities when the days of hyperinflation finally arrive? When the grocery stores are bare? When they are truly desperate? This, my friends, is what a dumbed-down, morally bankrupt, completely broken society looks like. And this is how it behaves. No outrage over the bankers raping them. No outrage over their gutted industry. No outrage over their plundered dollar. Just blind, wanton stupidity. Just bread and circuses. The elite are social Darwinists, and they believe what they can get away with is fair game as long as we allow it. This is social engineering, and they've done it to us by design. They've turned us into animals that they can corral. We are no longer citizens in a republic safeguarded by our elected representatives. We are consumers feeding at a corporate trough managed by officials. Will you tell the American people to whom you lent $2.2 trillion of their dollars? Hundreds and hundreds of banks, any bank or that has uh, access to the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve system. Tell us who they are. No. If this is America, who will stop them? Our entire system is corrupt and needs to be dismantled and begun anew. But from what base? 
If what happened on Friday across America is any indication of the condition of the American populace, then our very foundations are built of sand. May God forgive us for what we've become and for what we've allowed to happen to our nation. And may those of us with the courage and sense to do it renounce this behavior and the monstrous marketing ploy that is Black Friday in its entirety. This, my friends, is not us. We are the Republic. We are the informed. We are the proactive ones. And it is our job to lift up those who are lost. And saving our Republic is a full-time job. May God bless the Republic. How about that? What if the American people woke up and understood that the official reasons for going to war are almost always based on lies and promoted by war propaganda in order to serve special interests? What if we as a nation came to realize that the quest for empire eventually destroys all great nations? What if the American people learned the truth? The FBI has foiled about 17 plots to kill Americans during the past 10 years. What it will not tell you is that there have been 20 foiled plots and of them, three were interrupted by members of the public. The 17 that were interrupted by the feds were created by the feds. Why do we pay the government to trick us into believing it is keeping us safe? What if a government that manipulated us could be fired? What if a government that lacked the true and knowing consent of the governed could be dismissed? What if it were possible to have a real game changer? What if we need a Ron Paul to preserve and protect our freedoms from the government? What if we can make elections matter again? What if you could love your country, but hate what the government has done to it? What if sometimes to love your country, you had to alter or abolish the government? What if Jefferson was right? What if that government is best which governs least? What if I'm right? What if the government is wrong? What if it is dangerous to be right when the government is wrong? What if it is better to perish fighting for freedom than to live as a slave? What if freedom's greatest hour of danger is now? It's critical that every citizen of this country rise up and do something because the day of reckoning is at hand and time is running out. Unless we do something, um, we're going to get the government that we deserve. How did you let this happen? Wake up out there. You know, it's your children. Don't you care? Uh, look what these people are doing to you. There are 200 million adults in this country. Why we are letting them get away with what they are? Why we're not marching in the streets? Do everything in your power to restore freedom and your individuality back to America. Stop being a country run by the institutions for the institutions. Let's go back to we the people, by the people, for the people. You have to stop being scared. You have to stand up and do what's necessary to take back, to stop these bankers, these elite, this government full of lies, congressmen full of liars. And the Federal Reserve. And the fractional banking system. And the Fed. Elect Ron Paul and the war. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Don't give yourself to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you.
Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Samuel Adams, First Chief Justice John Jay. Names synonymous with the spirit of our country, founding fathers of the USA. Over 200 years ago, they shook off the chains of tyranny from Great Britain by divine call. Citing 27 biblical violations, they wrote the Declaration of Independence with liberty and justice for all. But something happened since Jefferson called the Bible the cornerstone for American liberty, then put it in our schools as a light. Or since give me liberty or give me death, Patrick Henry said, our country was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We eliminated God from the equation of American life, thus eliminating the reason this nation first began. From beyond the grave, I hear the voices of our founding fathers plead. You need God in America again. Of the 55 men who formed the Constitution, 52 were active members of their church. Founding fathers like Noah Webster, who wrote the first dictionary, could literally quote the Bible chapter and verse. James Madison said, We've staked our future and our ability to follow the Ten Commandments with all our heart. These men believed you couldn't even call yourself an American if you subvert the Word of God. In his farewell address, Washington said, You can't have national morality apart from religious principle, and it's true. Because right now we have nearly 150,000 kids carrying guns to these war zones we call public schools. In the 40s and 50s, student problems were chewing gum and talking. In the 90s, rape and murder are the trend. The only way this nation can even hope to last this decade is put God in America again. The only hope for America is Jesus. The only hope for our country is Him. If we repent of our Abe Lincoln said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. So when you eliminate the word of God from the classroom and politics, you eliminate the nation that word protects. America is now number one in teen pregnancy and violent crime, number one in illiteracy, drug use, and divorce. Every day a new holocaust of 5,000 unborn die, while pornography floods our streets like open sewers. America's dead and dying hand is on the threshold of the church, while the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah vexes us all. When it gets to the point where people would rather come out of the closet than clean it, it's the sign that judgment of God is going to fall. If there's ever been a time to rise up church, it's now. And as the blood-bought saints of the living God proclaim, that it's time to sound the alarm from the church house to the White House and say, we want God in America again. and proclaim that one nation under God is our demand and send this evil lifestyle back to Satan where it came from and let the word of God revive our dying land for Jesus Christ is coming back again in all his glory and every eye shall see him on that day that's why a new anointing of God's power is coming on us to boldly tell the world you must be saved 
because astrology won't save you. Your horoscope won't save you. The Bible says these things are all farce. If you're born again, you don't need to look to the stars for your answers, because you can look to the very one who made those stars. History tells us time and time again, to live like there's no God makes you a fool. If you want to see kids live right, stop handing out condoms, and start handing out the word of God in school. of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing. No weapons of mass destruction were found. Are you kidding me? Do you buy that? There Not, were, there were, there were. Nyeh, 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 nyeh. I was fired. Renewed hostile actions against United States ships on the high seas in the Gulf of Tonkin have today required me to order the military forces of the United States to take action in reply. Dr. Martin Luther King. The apostle of non-violence in the civil rights movement has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. President Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? He still has the gun. The gun is pointed at me right at this moment. Take a hold of his thumb and break it if you have to. We will run a fellow soldier. We have an explosion and we are defending and we agree. Let's try our best. People calling themselves members of the Weather Underground last night planted bombs in federal office buildings in Washington and Oakland, California. They took the babies out of incubators. 
and let the children to die on the cold floor. Survivors of the USS Liberty are demanding a congressional investigation into what happened and acknowledgement that the Israeli Air Force bombed a U.S. intelligence Navy ship. The death of bin Laden marks the most significant achievement to date in our nation's effort to defeat al-Qaeda. The Taliban is taking responsibility for shooting down a U.S. helicopter. More than 30 people were killed, and there are reports this morning that most of them are U.S. Navy SEALs. There may be a false flag incident where some uh, ship goes down and you be used for the excuse to accelerate the next war. If there's one thing that has unified Democrats and Republicans and everybody in between, that we all hated the bank bailout. The Department of Homeland Security is apparently on a huge ammo buying spree. It comes out to like 1.6 billion rounds of ammunition. Today, it is infinitely easier to kill a million people than to control a million people. They estimated that they would have to eliminate 25 million people in these re-education centers. And when I say eliminate, I mean kill. I'm here to warn people. You keep telling me to shut up. This isn't a game. This is our land. These are our people. The workers. The strivers. The builders. These are our people. Who are they? They are the dark armies. The dark murdering armies whose only honor. I think at one time or another we've all questioned as to whether all that we see and, and are experiencing in our world has some sort of a rational plan behind it because we understand now that both the Republican and the Democratic Party in our country are basically run by the same people, the same money finances both sides. We now know, of course, through the work of many historians who have spent their life working on research to show us that both sides of world conflicts have always been financed by the same people. And as I've said before, there seems to be a, a method to the madness going on in the world. We know, of course, that we cannot depend on our leaders. Our leaders are misleaders. There is a science that they're following. They have their own agenda, and it doesn't include you. What your government pays for, it gets. If you are paid to do something for the government, they will extract from you exactly what they have paid for. When we understand that, then we look at universities and schools, government-financed institutions of education, and see the kind of students and the kind of education that's being turned out by these government finance schools, logic will tell you that if what is being turned out in those schools was not in accord with what the state and the federal government wanted, then it would change it. The bottom line is that the government is getting what they have ordered. They're getting what they have paid for. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. That is why our country and our world has become so proliferated with entertainments, mass media, game shows, 
television shows, amusement parks, drugs, alcohol, and every kind of entertainment that keep the human mind entertained so that you don't get in the way of important people by doing too much thinking. You had better wake up and understand that there are people who are guiding your life and you don't even know it. And all American citizens, I think, have suspected something like this is going on. But we're all too busy trying to stay alive and live our lives. And after all, what can one person do about it? This is the most powerful government the world has ever known. They have a, they had the ability to get a hold on Adolf Hitler 50 years ago. He had a standing army, the greatest navy, air force, military, secret underworld organizations operating throughout the world. But this government got a hold on Adolf Hitler because it chose to and it wanted to. And if you do not pay your income taxes, they will find you if you go to the Amazon jungle and they will make an example of you. They will find you and they will deal with you and you know it. But for some reason they're unable to get a handle on drugs and the crime in the streets for some reason.